When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here you go. That's what we're doing. Wow, that got really bright fast. Let me do this. <laughs> hey, everybody. We're recording the Blathering Live, and I'm having a lot of fun doing these shows, and I'm happy to be here. Uh, the world is, as always, a trash fire. It's concerning. It's troubling. It's in its own fire, and you got to find hope, and, and hope, for me, is, is hanging out with all of you. I, I completely... Uh, rushed into my seat because I've been working on some stuff all day and I realized that uh, now I got a weird shadow on my face and it's okay. I look every bit of the 72 years of age that I am in this uh, shot. We're just going to roll with it. We're going to live with it. Some people checking in here. This is the I'll Be Your Valentine live edition of the show. Uh, we've been doing Q&As here, the live blatherings for the last couple of weeks. Um, I will try to answer any question you want to ask me. If you have a thought uh, that you want to uh, share and, and, and get my response to, I, I reserve the uh, moral and legal right to not answer every question. As I say, uh, you know, Super Chats are welcome and appreciated and will get me to at least acknowledge the question. Um, it's been used somewhat effectively so far. I think very effectively thus far. But it's not about that. It's about me hanging out with all of you here. We got people like Joshua Bernard. Uh, Jared's here. Jack's here. Horizon Brave says, and this was a comment earlier in the day. Kate is here. Kate Vandy. Horizon Brave says, as someone who is spending year number six alone, can I appreciate this? My mental health and self-image is hitting near rock bottom, so I may be drinking when you start. You know what, Horizon Brave? I think it is brave for you to just admit where you're at. And that's maybe it's an okay spot. Maybe it's a bit of a bad spot, but we're all here together. Truly a sense of community building around these live streams. People like Laser Bolt is here. Matthew Stokes, happy February 15th. He is, of course, watching from the future. I start these streams at 5 Pacific, which means if you're in the UK or another beautiful part of the world, like one of my favorite spots, Paris, France, you're going to be about nine hours ahead of me, and that's fine. You Maybe you're working the third shift, the graveyard shift, as I call it, but you're hanging out here. Maybe you already had your Valentine's Day. Maybe you already celebrated. Maybe you're not alone. Maybe you're, you're, you're here uh, because you're resting, recovering from a full night. Jack says, we'll be able to hang until the co-op gaming starts with some friends. Love that. Getting stowed out of my mind, so I feel you. Jared... Jared's winning here today with that comment, and uh, Jack is winning. You're all winning with those comments there. Uh, yeah, uh, we release these as a podcast as well. Don't forget the podcast feed exists. It does exist. The Napsock Network, the Napsock Files, all that stuff's not uh, gone away. Just changing. I have uh, – February has, has been documented here in the podcast. Um, has been a tough one for me, but I, got, I feel I got to do an update. Oh, our buddy Hillbilly Scribs is here. Scribs, don't leave yet, Scribs. Don't leave yet. Uh, we've got Brian Tiller here. Hey, hey, walking with my Valentine dogs. Hey, dogs are Valentines here. Uh, Telly Quint's here. Uh, hey, get back from leaving incendiary comments on your Anytime videos. I like it. Yeah, Tully, I saw your comment. You, you, you and I disagree on the safety of billionaires. And you know what? That's going to be fine. Tully, we're, we're okay. We're going to work through this. And I'm glad you're here. Uh, glad Brian Tiller is here as well. I do want to provide a bit of an update. 
I want to provide an update because a couple weeks ago I came onto this show um, a broken man. I'm always half broken at least. And I want to thank, again, everyone who responded so warmly, so kindly, so supportive. Some of you have been here a while. Some of you have been here since the old school days. Some of you are relatively new. Whatever time you popped up onto, onto my radar screen, uh, I'm glad you're here. And I really appreciate um, what I got last uh, couple weeks in terms of just uh, love and support. And sometime, and that support was very generous super chats and, and other kind of uh, uh, votes of confidence in who I am. So um, Jared says, eat the rich. I don't have a problem with eating the rich there. Trey T says, hi there, gang. David McKay is here as well. Um, I... I, 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 I Things are things are better, and a lot of things. The reason things are better, they're not they're not better in an overall sense, right? Still looking ahead and scrambling a bit on the bills and all those things. Who isn't? Who isn't? Right in these times. But what is better is I. Um, I, I feel like a trampoline, a, a net has been uh, put on the, above the ground, and I'm just I'm I, I fell, but I hit it, and I'm, I'm starting to bounce back up. Uh, I have a couple of freelance writing gigs I'm working on that are going to help uh, as well. And um, again, nothing long term. But even doing this show and deciding I'm going to do this weekly, I'm going to do this weekly. I'm going to hang out with all of you weekly. I've got the member shows. We've got a 20 minutes of coffee back tomorrow. I had to shoot on Tuesday morning for Four Center. So be back tomorrow, 10 a.m. my time for members only live, public after. Become a member of a channel to join Laser Bolt and David McKay and everyone on that morning show. Um, but I, I want to report that, uh, you know, my mood is better. My attitude is better. And that sometimes can be um, all you need in just just in the way to, to be able to look forward a little bit more. Um, and, and, and to, and to um, as you get picked up by others, to also help pick yourself up, right? I, I'd love to just pick myself up by the bootstraps. That's not always possible. But sometimes someone helps you get up to a, one knee and then you can do the rest. And sometimes you're pulled completely up to your feet. Uh, it, it changes uh, situation uh, case by case, but you all have helped me kind of get back up to a knee there. So uh, there you go. Um, Ken Plume with the Super Chat. Thank you, uh, Ken. Happy Palentine's Day, pal. Hit like, folks. Yeah, hit likes indeed. Help us break that algorithm. Uh, checking in over on uh, uh, Twitch, uh, Kunomet says, we all follow times and we help each other back up. And that's absolutely true. And I really, 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 truly felt that. Over the last couple of weeks. And I always want to make sure I can be there for others um, who need that as well for me. For those, this is, I, again, release this as a podcast. So um, if you're listening on the podcast, thank you. Don't let that feed die. But two, maybe head over to the, I've been doing this new thing where I, I kind of uh, put the, um, I put this light. I have, I, have a, I have a little brighter light. And I don't have the best lighting in here. You can see it. You can see it in the reflection there. Uh, I'm not a, I'm not a. You know, I'm not a best boy. Uh, I don't have uh, all, all. Yeah, see that? Oh, that that's funny. Um, I don't. I don't have the best lighting. I don't have the uh, the best built situation. So I make do with what I have. Uh, I also uh, um, raised the uh, the f-stop in the old camera there. I did take photography, so I do know how to do that. Uh, but I think I, in my haste, because I sat down about four fifty-two, I've made myself um, horribly washed out. But I'm trying to fix it on the go. Uh, see, this is another case of me falling, and you help me, I'll pick <laughs> pick back up. Laser Bolt says, 2024 has good, been good to me. Glad to hear you getting back in your feet, Ken. We love you. Uh, you know, Laser Bolt, I love you. I think we all as human beings got to be more open with saying, I love you. And you can be cynical about the word, I love you. 
It, it could just be a platitude. I understand that. It can mean absolutely nothing. Or it could mean everything. And not even just by our actions, but by the spirit and the intent behind it. I Love You Man is also, it's an underrated comedy. I actually liked I Love You Man. I don't know if it completely stands up. I'm always wary to recommend comedies from uh, over uh, eight years ago and beyond. Um, But I remember I I loved I Love You Man, but I love that spirit. I say I love you to my friends a lot. Um, Jack Cole says, there's a firefly quote I've always loved that works in these cases. If you can't run, you walk. And if you can't walk, you crawl. And if you can't do that, find someone to carry you. Yeah, and and, and hopefully you get someone there to carry you. Okay, what happened? Okay, now things, sorry. (laughs) What happened here? Oh, okay. I haven't favored. Ah, sorry, I'm I'm a little disjointed. I had a long, uh, a long fun work day today, so it's okay. I'm playing uh, catch up. I love that quote, Jack. Uh, and we got Hillbilly here. Uh, Dylan Barry's here, the Dylan Barry Network. Glad to have you here. Uh, Jared says this year I got meds and needed a therapist. I'm trying to treat myself better. I think that's part of the process here. We we talked about it. We talked about it when I interviewed uh, Adam Knight. Um, on uh, the Blathering Conversations episode one of that about being being nice to yourself, being fair to yourself. I I love a good bet dash of self loathing in everything I do. I think it's a good equalizer. I think it reminds me, but also the people listening that you know there's a, at least an attempt to understand my place in in the world is is small compared to everything else. But you don't want to take it so far that you just ding yourself and hit yourself up the upside the head too much. And that's what I do. So working on that there. Uh, all right. I want to get to this one. Has some, I wanted to wait. I want to wait the exact. Well, we'll keep coming back to this. How about that? By the way, another thing of rum. I'm going to run out of rum. I need to go get some rum. And now a cherry, a cherry, cherry lime soda is what I'm mixing the rum with. And it's, it's good. I just like a straight rum and diet. But I'll take this. The cherry, cherry. I need to be cherry. The world, I mean, today alone, today today alone, the world just, you know, went from celebratory and a lot of things in the world that are always bad. But, you know, there was a celebratory feel of, of, of the parade in Kansas City and then, then a shooting happens. And then that um, it's on my mind. I just wrote some stuff in the news about it, released that for any time. And, and so I, I, I want to be here with you all. I think it's OK to focus on some good things right now. Uh, Jared says, also best of love to Grace and the pups. Uh, thank you. Uh, we're going to have uh, a, a low-key night. Uh, sh- uh, she's off doing stuff. I'm working here today. I, I'm not, I've never been too cynical. Uh, I've never been too cynical uh, about Valentine's Day. I think there were some times I was. I think even when I would post jokes about it, and I was looking back at my Facebook memories today. Today's one of those days where you get a ton of Facebook memories of all your stupid posts from like 2008 to 2017 for me. It was the peak dumb posting of me. Uh, and yeah, I had a lot of like my Valentine's Day is Carl's Jr. alone in a car. But really that was just me wanting something more. And But I, I think going to our first comment of the day from Horizon Brave. But even if I, I had long stretches of my life where I, I was alone. Uh, long stretches. From 1998 to like 2005, I always joked like I don't even think I talked to to a woman. Uh, uh, my uh, pursuit of choice there, I, I don't think I I even other than unless it was a bank teller because back then we had bank tellers, grocery store clerk, 
something related to my job. Other than that, socially, I didn't communicate uh, with women. I was so alone and 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 and, and lonely <laughs> and unsure how to move. So I've been in those spots, and that's okay too. That's okay too. Uh, we got some questions coming in. Uh, if you got a question, uh, or you just want to post a comment, like Mike Fink says, "The world is a vampire." Set to dragon. Yeah, um, love that there. Mike says, "Going to show with my wife today," but uh, seems to be obligatory posting socials. One loved uh, feels super icky. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay, actually, okay. We got a question from Jamie. Jamie Johnson's got a question. I'm going to favorite that one so I don't miss him. We talked about it a little bit. We'll do an update on it. Um. I, I like I don't post a lot of social media stuff that isn't promotion for the things I do. And I'm, I'm not saying that's right. I'm not saying that's wrong. That's just where I'm at. But Mike, I'm with you. Today, I saw a lot of, of Instagram posts. Some great ones, by the way. People I know and love myself. Great posts about their loves, about their relationships. Seven years with this hunk. Nine years with a lady that changed. All of it great. Like I said, I'm trying to, I don't be, I'm not cynical about the day. Is it a corporate holiday and it's about getting candy and cards? Yeah, sure. Sure, but why stop there? Push past it to find the, find what's there for you. I'm okay with celebrating this holiday. Uh, but today, Mike, I saw a few posts where I was like, I don't know about this. I don't know if I believe this <laughs> from some people. That's, that's that. All right, first things first, before I get too distracted. We got a question here coming in, but also... Hibble scripts says you don't need, be, no, don't need to be the best boy, just a good boy. Mr. Hibble scripts every year, if you don't uh, know uh, Jeff Saunders, Hibble scripts uh, as we call him, um, check out past interviews and appearances on this very uh, YouTube channel and my podcast feed. We did an interview last year, a couple years ago. I actually got that Facebook memory. A couple years ago, we did a charity schmodown. Mark Riley and I involved in that one. But all this because Hillbilly Scribs, who's a who is the definition of a grounded and um, humble cat, every year takes uh, part in a shave-a-thon, a St. Baldrick's shave event. Stbaldrick's.org is where you go. St. Baldrick's is a great organization, the St. Baldrick's Foundation, and they help raise awareness and funds and get research for uh, children's cancers, and that's the kind of the field that... Um, Mr. Uh, Hillbilly Scribs, Jeff Saunders, works him. So every year I kind of help promote, but this year I'm not doing as many shows. I, I, You know, I apologize, Jeff. I don't have the reach like I used to. Social media is fractured. It's hard to get the word out. But that doesn't mean I'm not going to keep trying. This is a great event. Now, what Jeff does every year is he grows his hair out, and along with another, a lot of other folks, and there's events around the country. You can go to stbaldricks.org to find an event near you if you'd like to donate or support teams closer to you. But I'd love for you to consider supporting Jeff and his cause. It's a fun and positive way to celebrate and honor the kids, as Jeff says, and to honor all the young people fighting cancer. And as well to pay homage and respects and uh, send warm memories to those who are no longer with us. This is um, what Jeff does every year. And uh, Jocelyn Lawrence hosts this event. Um, she was uh, We did a stream uh, interview with her last year on their channel. Uh, the shaving event is uh, March 1st. And there's a March 2nd a community event where Jeff is in um, southern Texas. But you and the website is on the screen if you're watching, if you're listening. Uh, I will put the uh, link out there. 
stbaldricks.org slash participants slash Jeff Saunders. I've got to drop the link in the description here on YouTube. I'll do that as well. Uh, I'll do that after the stream ends. Uh, but stbaldricks.org slash participants slash Jeff Saunders. Not Sanders, Saunders. That is how you can support Jeff and his team. And they'll do this shave event. There'll be some wonderful warm pictures. But um, it's really important work. And I love Jeff for it. I love Jeff for so many reasons. He's just a, a joy to always be around. He's a joy to always learn from. Uh, but one of those reasons is he continues to uh, work for the good of others. And he continues to learn. And he continues to grow. And he keeps continuing to spread it out into the world. If folks are unable to donate, Jeff wants me to uh, remind you all, share the links and info is just as vital and important uh, because, um, like I said, it's sometimes really hard to get the word out these days with a lot of the things, uh, uh, threads and blue sky and threads and Instagram and Twitter is broken and algorithms suppress links and all those kind of things. So word of mouth is the best way to do it. So I want to shout out. Uh, to uh, my good friend, uh, Hibbley Scribs, Jeff Saunders, who does this every year, every year without fail. I think next year, he says, this is his 10th one. So we got to plan something big for that, Jeffrey. Got to plan something big. All right, let's get to some questions here. Uh, let's really get into the show. This is a Q&A. Every Blathering Live is kind of a Q&A, like I say up top. Uh, join in. Ask a question. I reserve the right to not answer questions just in case I just don't want to. And one comes in that I don't feel I should answer live on a show when I've been drinking. Uh, not heavily. But if you super chat, if you do uh, do a super chat, I will at least acknowledge the question and maybe provide the information as to why I won't answer it. I want to honor those as well. But super chats are not needed. In fact, if you got a couple bucks and you're thinking of throwing it at my face, maybe you throw it at Jeff Saunders and the stbaldricks.org folks as well. All right. All right. Let's do this. Question comes in from Jamie Johnson on Facebook. We're live on Facebook. We're live on Twitch. We're live on YouTube and broadcast later, as I said on the podcast. What are your thoughts on Rock versus Cody? So we did address this last couple of weeks. Now, I put this out there, a lifelong wrestling fan, but I haven't paid close attention to wrestling in four or five years. However, because of uh, social media and the, the presence of WWE and AW and just wrestling news sites and wrestling fans. I definitely follow it and, uh, in the sense that I'm aware, generally speaking, of what's going on. I did watch the Royal Rumble. I quite enjoyed myself. I thought it was fun um, and was glad that Cody won. I was happy to see CM Punk there, you know. Uh, he's been the talk of the town once again, but I liked Cody. I'm not, I have not been following it closely enough to know exactly the story that Cody wants to finish. But like I said last week, having been, um, in the wrestling, independent wrestling business off and on from 2001 to like 2014, been around booking, been part of booking and just been more than a casual observer of pro wrestling for that period of, t uh, of time. And still around it, still around people in it. I always say, trust the wrestlers and trust people like Cody Rhodes, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Roman Reigns, Paul Heyman. It's not always easy to trust WWE creative or creatives of any kind. And I get that. 
Um, and this is, of course, keeping in mind that we're not factoring in or right now currently going into any conversations about Mr. Uh, 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 Vince McMahon and, and the horrors of his reign that we have um, always known a lot of it. But definitely the last couple of weeks have been um, uh, we've all been exposed to some some horrible things going on over there. So taking that aside, we can get in that as best as I can if you want. I'm repeating myself from last week. I think it's getting people talking. It doesn't mean it's flawless. Does not mean it's flawless. Um, I know that press conference that they did seemed a little wonky. Some people saying rushed. They've switched. They got Rock versus Cody. They got Cody. Rock versus Roman. Roman versus Cody. People want the story to be finished. Rock kind of turning heel, kind of bending reality. Um, uh, there's that's the new age of wrestling, and I, at the end of the day, people are talking. It's going to be a payday, and I am uh, excited to see it. And, and this is from someone who has not paid attention in a week to week fashion in a long time. Um, but I talked about last week. I, I'm a big fan of Cody Rhodes, and at one point, he, kind of, he followed me on Twitter, and he might have been a fan of me. So hey. He is a big Star Wars fan. I'd love to talk Star Wars with him on Force Center. Uh, But at the end of the day, there are times where the office, the booking office, the promoters will make bad decisions. Your job as a wrestler, your job as a worker, your job as a creative putting on a show is to take what you're given and make the best of it. And those that are great at this will do that. Cody Rhodes is great at this. The Rock's one of the best. The Rock understands. When they try to do something and it's not right, i.e. Rocky Maivia, the third generation superstar with the smile and face, and that was, in a very unplanned fashion, rejected from the fans, they pivoted and they found a legendarily right way to do it. There seems to be, I don't know, and that's the thing about wrestling, you can never know what the work is. You can never know what isn't the work and what's the shoot. You never know. That's part of the fun of wrestling to me. But with, with whatever has happened, whether Punk was supposed to win the Rumble but got, got hurt and they gave it to Cody, whether or not Cody was always going to be facing Roman Reigns or was going to be facing Rollins or was going to be fa- we might not never know, and if they do their job, you never will know, and you might never care. Though we are in an era of exposed uh, business when it comes to wrestling. Of um, Kayfabe is long gone. We, we're all in on this. Kayfabe broke long before people actually think it broke. But uh, it broke in a major way by the mid-90s with wrestling and, and the Attitude Era and all that kind of stuff. I really trust Cody. And even if it's all on the fly, even if it right now seems a little rushed, it's going to be right where it needs to be. That's my thoughts on it. And it seems uh, I'm a little, you know, quite frankly, I'm repeating myself a little bit from last week, but I, I, I like seeing the story continue. I like what's going on. I like people are talking about it. All right, great question. Still Bill is here. Um, what's up, all my sweet Valentines? What's up, indeed? Color Jerry's here checking in on Twitch. Ken Plume's got a uh, sports comment. <laughs> That's a great one, Ken. I don't know if I can do that. Uh, Jared's got, well, Jared's got two sports-related debates. 86 Celtics versus 95 Bulls. Here's the thing. I don't watch basketball a lot. I was around for them. I definitely paid attention to basketball in the mid-90s a little bit more. Um, 
uh, 86 Celtics, the mid-80s Celtics and Laker rivalry. I was there for that final, not the final that they didn't get to cover in winning time, which was one of my favorite shows. I'm just absolutely flabbergasted, but not surprised that uh, HBO Max would cancel that series. Um. I was there in Yosemite with my family for that NBA Finals. And I just, that's my memories is just hundreds of people fighting for like a couple bar and grill TVs in Camp Curry in Yosemite watching that series. So as far as what's better, I I, I don't know, probably the Bulls. I think the, the Bulls had something special even from afar watching them. I love the last dance doc goes into that era and you I I, I definitely uh, recommend that. So, but I'm not I'm not a basketball fan. I don't have the deep knowledge on this. So, I will de- defer to chat. And a lot of p- laser bolts coming in here with Bulls. Brian Tiller who um is 7 feet 2 inches tall and played in the NBA says 95 Bulls. Maybe he did, maybe I heard that wrong. Uh, so there's, there you go. Um, then a a quick follow up from color Jerry. What do you think if, uh, it's rock Roman versus night one and Roman versus Cody night two. Yeah. As long as it's not in the main event, both slots, pass the ball around. Let someone else get the main event slot. I think that'd be fun. Uh, the other one is 98 Yankees versus 2004 Red Sox. I mean, it's Yankees all the way. It was 2004 Red Sox were once caught stealing away from not being historic. My Yankees did blow that, and I was in the Ice House green room uh, when Dave Roberts stole that base in a green room full of mostly Boston comics. It was horrendous for me to experience as a lifelong Yankee fan. Uh, but I knew right then, I knew right then the series was over, which was weird because the Yankees, even in that moment when Dave Roberts stole that base, were still up three games to none. <laughs> Uh, they still, all they needed was one. And somehow I knew in that moment, that's the thing when you watch sports long enough. And I even saw Andrew Guy was talking about this on the Wangers uh, show Monday night. He's a, he's a San Francisco, uh, 49er fan. He knew in the Super Bowl he could sense something was wrong and off, even though the Niners were in the lead and he knew they might lose to Kansas city as a dolphin fan. I experienced that even this year in Monday night game in Tennessee, but we were up and by a big score late. And he just said, there's that you just, if you watch sports enough, you just know when something changes that 2004 Red Sox team is a great team, but the 98 Yankees are near perfection, near perfection. One of the best teams. And even they almost lost to Cleveland in an early round of the playoffs. That was tough, tough. Str- I, I was working. It was 1998. I had come down here. I was working in the, um, uh, Pacific, uh, no, yeah, it was Pacific Theaters, Man 9, no, Man Theaters, Man 9, uh, Granada Hills Theater, Devonshire and Balboa, kids. Remember that intersection. And I would just moved to L.A., hadn't even started working in my security job. I uh, was working uh, as a, at a movie theater and having to leave, listening on, on, on the radio, on ESPN Radio, thinking the Yankees were about to lose to Cleveland in that series because they lost to Cleveland in 97 and thinking our great season was going to be washed away. And that's the lesson. That's one of the big lessons of sports. No matter how indestructible you think you are, no matter how big your lead is, you still got to do the job. You still got to bear down and do it. So 98 Yankees, one of the best all-time teams there. All right. Sports questions coming in at night. 
Mike Fink says Showtime Lakers when I was a kid were so much fun. Yeah, see, I, I didn't even, um, I wasn't a, a big uh, basketball fan, like I said, but it was hard to escape the joy of the uh, Showtime Lakers. All right, then we got... Um, <laughs> we got a mass hole checking in here. And catch my breath. Take a big gurgly slip slurp of rum to deal with this a-hole, PLD. Paul Denuso, also one of the greatest human beings I know. He says the one good reason it was canceled, talking about winning time on HBO, is that a series called Winning Time ends on a Celtics win. He's a Boston fan. Look, boo, boo earns. I was saying boo earns. Um, I don't know what to say about that. 84 Tigers, says uh, our Michigan's own laser bolt. 84 Tigers, we're a good team. Sparky Anderson, he don't want to walk you. He don't want to walk you. Tigers fans get that reference. Uh, nice words from Jamie Johnson here. We appreciate this. Uh, I suffer from depression and anxiety. I want to say thank you to you and the Four Center crew providing me levity and my hardship. Thanks for being positive in an often negative world. Thank you, Jamie. Really uh, uh, appreciate that. But I want to give the uh, vote of confidence back to you. Um, I'm a big-time depression sufferer. <sighs> anxiety, not as much. But then again, who doesn't have some form of anxiety, right? Uh, why wouldn't you <laughs> look it out in the world and and... Uh, I don't have any answers for you, Jamie. I don't have any answers for you. I'm seeking answers myself every day. Uh, I always make light of it, but it's a big thing. Wilson Phillips was right with the, one of the greatest pop songs of all time. Hold on for one more day. Uh, and uh, the only way a depression is um, deep-seated, it is, is hardwiring, it is uh, chemical, it is all of those things. It's a disease. I'm there for that. But I also say find the little things that you can do to, to push past it. Um, I used to call it ping-ponging. Just actively ping-ponging the depression thoughts away. And Some days they're going to get through and that's okay. Um, taking a moment to focus on other things or other people is a good thing too. So you're not asking for advice. You're just asking for community and we're here to provide it for you, Jamie. But um, these last couple of years, I never thought I defeated depression. But these last couple of years, depression reminded me it's still around. It did turn into a great song for the Moon Agers. Good to bleed. We just did. We just re-released, re-released. Uh, re uh, excuse me, the remix, uh, the old handsaw uh, mix of um, Good to Bleed. Please check it out. Please check out the Moon Agers. But that's a song about my depression winning. But we push through so that it doesn't defeat us. Um, <laughs> still, Bell sells. We don't talk about the 2004 World Series here. Uh, PLD says the 2004 Red Sox made me feel alive again. How dare you, PLD? It was the first time as a Red Sox fan. I saw all things that would have always gone wrong in Spons Pass. It, it, they about just bounced the right way. You, you knew the curse was over. Uh, Color Jerry says this. Just throwing it out there. I think Roman should break uh, Hulk Hogan's record. I don't think that type of thing will ever uh, again be at least another first. Uh, yeah, Jerry, I, um, I know you missed last week's show. I said the same thing. I think Roman's got to get to September. It'd be nice to have Cody finish the story. I get all that, but have him break Hogan's record. And I'm and there's outside of the wrestling business reasons to maybe wipe that spot clean of Hogan a little bit. But even aside from that, even staying within the business, uh, do respect what Hogan did in that ring. Um, have Roman defeat him. I think it's great. Any favorite Super Bowl commercials? Yeah, you know what? Um, Duffy says hello from Long Beach. Hello. Um, Wilson Phillips is a smart dude. Yes, he is. 
he and uh, he and Pink Floyd are great. Uh, where did that? Uh, Dylan Barry asked any favorite Super Bowl commercials. I liked. Look, I look. Look, man. I like. Um, I like the Ben Affleck one. I do. I do agree that the formula of Super Bowl commercials has um, diminished the the effect of commercials. I never. I never was super into the commercials. I don't like talking babies. I don't like talking dogs. I don't like a lot of this stuff. But commercials for Super Bowl commercials for a while did turn into a really, I think, high form of comedic art. I really think there were some great ones over the years. But I think they've just been watered down by the formula. The celebrities uh, kind of poking fun of themselves. But all that said, I will say I like the Affleck one. I like the one in the broadcast, and I like the full-length one there. I'll say that. There were some other good ones, too. There's, there's people paid well to do those kind of jobs. So they, they do succeed. Uh, going to, uh, Brian Taylor, I'm, I'm helping, I'm finding help in meditation. That's right. Anxiety is real. It is. All right. Catching up to chat here. We got, uh, <laughs> page turns. They were now, which is Brennan Moore. Hello there, Brennan. Uh, there you go. Uh, Brian Taylor says, was up? Yeah, I didn't, you know, it's not that I haven't said was up a few times in my life. It was the style of the times, but, uh, yeah. Tully says this, I, not going to lie, when I first started watching Schmoes, your particular brand of self-deprecating humor made me worried about you on more than one occasion. It, it, fair. Fair. And, uh, yeah, I got I got to some favorite questions here, so I'm going to get to, Ken's got a great question about overtime. Uh, I'll get to that. So I'm trying to favorite the questions so I can keep up with chat here. Here's the thing. Yeah, um, sometimes you don't even realize it. Uh, therapy's important. All those things important. Totally get that. Sometimes you might not even realize it's a problem. It was less of a problem for me during the Schmoes era, but I don't disagree with what Tully is saying there, that sometimes um, self-loathing, self-deprecating humor, you suddenly you're hearing the cries and not, not laughing at the jokes. I didn't know how deep things were for me uh, until uh, 2002 in my final um, 12 weeks of training at the Groundlings. I was part of the... Uh, performance uh, level, which is um, you do 12 weeks of training with a director with 12 or 13 classmates, uh, and you put on two shows at the Groundlings Theater. Uh, yeah, I've told the story stories before, but like Kristen Wiig and Mikey Day and uh, Tim Blaney, the voice of Frank the Pug and Men in Black and, and Johnny Five and Short Circuit was in my class. Andrew Hotry, big commercial actor, still going strong. He's got one now. Andrew Hotry is a lot of you are seeing you. You're probably seeing him in that um, cell phone commercial. He, he's being over dramatic, and his wife is like, "Don't be dramatic. We just go here and pastas for dinner." And he, that, that's my friend Andrew and. Uh, great comedian Melinda Hill, Nicole Randall Johnson, who went on to be in Mad TV in the movie Role Models. Great class of people. Great class of people. Brian Keith Etheridge is a showrunner, producer. He's Hargrove. I can go on. They're all funny. Amy Witchery, one of the funniest people I ever worked with. Um, and I just, I was having fun week to week. You, you come in, you write sketches. I'd, I'd write about 10 to 13 sketches every week. You present them to the class. One or two would get chosen to be rewritten and maybe potentially be in the show. Then the director, our director was Karen Mariama, and we'd go on the show. Um, she was um, she was the first to pull me aside. And then six weeks in after our first show, mind you, I thought I was making, I was making, you know, having, having fun sketches. I was having fun creating characters. People were liking what I was doing. She pulled me aside and was like, 
hey, let's talk about what I want for you in this final six weeks and what I think you need to show the people that are voting on you, whether or not you join the company, all those kind of businessy things, professional things. But she said, I, you know, I've got to say I'm concerned about the content, that, not the content, but the, the sketches you're putting out there. Well, content, I don't think existed as a, as a word then. Um, <laughs> she was like, every one of your characters is, is you at war with yourself. It is you depressed. It is you losing. It is you not winning. It is you just sure that you are the last one in the room. It, it, and it, it's, I see you in your head. I just want you to write characters that win. I want you to write characters that are confident. Find the humor in that and have it not be so from your heart. And I struggle with that to this day. A lot of my humor is about me versus about things. And I'm trying to improve that, especially in the stand-up world. Not that it shouldn't be about me or from my perspective, but I don't, I don't have a lot of jokes that are about the Super Bowl. I got jokes about my depression watching the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? And she was the first, and so it emerged in my jokes. So all that to say, Tully... Uh, I really understand where you're going with that. Uh, where during the Schmo stuff, um, I cast myself as a lovable loser, and sometimes that becomes a self, uh, you know, fulfilling prophecy. And that's one of the other things too, where depression will get you. You just don't know it. You just don't know it. Goopy G's here saying, woo, blathering live. And I love that there. So, all right, let's get to some of these star questions. If you got a question or I'm here for a little bit, uh, I haven't even really touched this drink. I don't currently have dental insurance, but I've got this pain starting to develop in my tooth. little worried about it. It's not a question. Just feeling it right now. All right. Um, Joshua Bernard says this one. Hey, Ken, have you and Grace ever done a podcast together? We have done episodes. Uh, there is actually from 2017 a Napstock Files interview where I went to Grace's house and I interviewed her. She was uh, at Collider uh, with me at the time. We had not even begun to think about dating. Uh, wasn't even on the radar screen. So that's a fascinating interview. I haven't gone back and listened to them. Uh, other than that, uh, I interviewed her and her sister once for an episode of the Napsack Files. They're not twins, but sometimes you might think they are by the secret language they have. We took a deep dive into that on that episode. And then uh, we, right at the beginning of the pandemic, Grace and I did do, uh, what did we do? We called it Fire and Wine. And it was a great idea. I might be able to pull it off a little bit better now. Number one, we have better internet. Uh, but, uh, we would take everything out. I'd take my gear out and there was, we have a fire pit in the backyard. We have a little back court, courtyard, courtyard, and I set up the cameras and the internet can reach out there, Wi-Fi, but it's not, wasn't the best. And I think it was even an older laptop ago. And we try to do a, a stream out there. Um, I didn't have wireless mics uh, that I could use now. Now I do. I mean, I could easily bring in, I have, uh, I use this mostly for my ASMR channel, but I got the, the Rode little uh, wireless Mies, which are great. I really love these. Um, could probably do it much easier. So we did it like once or twice. It was really hard. The internet was cracking. We couldn't get, the fire was great. The wine was great, but the internet wasn't. It was a little hard to get the gear out there every time. You know, just we, I slide into the studio. This is in my office. I can fire this thing up in two minutes and I'm on, on live with y'all. A little less, a little more work, you know. I don't like being a PA for myself. So I think like the third episode, we brought it inside the house. It also might have been a little cold. We put a fake fire up on like YouTube. 
And that was good because we got guests on. My friend Roger came on, my friend Jen came on, some other people popped on, and it was a lot of fun, man. It was a lot of fun. Uh, would I love to do that again? Yes. Can I promise that we'll have the time to do that? No. But maybe one day. Maybe one day. Uh, Jared the Dark Jedi's here. What's good? What's good, Jared, is you. Is you. Uh, I appreciated your tweet the other day, Jared, about Secret Invasion. It's not even like my favorite series. It doesn't need to be. I just don't like conversations about things that don't at least acknowledge what the show or the movie is about. And you always get that. And I think you got that in the tweet, and I appreciate it. PLD says, I definitely empathize with the self-deprecating characters and humor. It's pretty much all I know. But PLD, I've seen your mustache in person. You should be confident. It's a trademark, and I love it. All right, Ken Plume asked this question. Now, uh, Ken is not a, a sports fan. He's a, he's a damn good Fortnite player. He could probably play Fortnite competitively on esports or something like that. I don't know if that's a thing. I know Rocket League and other things. But we could, he could do them. Ken asks, uh, and thank you for the super chat earlier, Ken. I just need to know if you are aware of the postseason overtime rules and if you can explain them in terms I can, even I can understand. This is, of course, referring to what happened in the Super Bowl. I just, I had about 10 minutes to take a break between the Anytime News segment and doing this live stream. And I did, uh, I sat, sat and watched uh, like an NFL Films type of like wired up clip of, of Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and everyone before the overtime coin flip and then after the coin flip where they were shocked that the 49ers received the ball and um, their fullback, the 49er fullback, number 44, I forget his name, his wife designs the jackets for Taylor Swift. He was like, you know, we, even if we score a touchdown, they get the ball back. I didn't know that. So even the players on the field had a problem with this. The problem I have is, as I've said before, this year was my kind of return to watching football regularly. I dilly, I, not dilly, I, I, I took a little uh, a dip into the um, NFL waters last year when the Dolphins started getting a little better. Uh, but other than that, I hadn't watched closely for years. At some point, and I do remember when this happened, they changed the overtime rules. In the old days, it was the first team to score. So if you returned a touchdown on the kickoff, if you kicked a field goal, got a safety, scored a touchdown, you won the game. Even if the other team did not touch the ball. And I was fine with that for a long time. Now, if both teams didn't score after 15 minutes, it was a tie, which does not happen often. Uh, Matthew Stokes says, coin toss was the only bet that came good for me in the Super Bowl. Bet responsibly. I hope you won. So anyways, long story short, that was easy to understand. First to score, no matter when, no matter who, you score, game over. Somewhere along the lines, and I do remember this, it was determined that this wasn't fair. There was, there's always a high-profile incident. It's like anytime you see uh, something that says, um, you know, be sure to, uh, if you're swimming, uh, don't swim with an electric eel. And you're like, that's dumb. Why is that warning posted here next to the no lifeguard on duty? It's because someone did and someone brought an electric eel into the pool and someone electrocuted themselves and then sued the company that owned the pool by saying, you didn't tell me to not bring an electric eel. Something always happens to change these rules in life and in football. 
I do remember there was like a high-profile tie game that happened. And that kind of started the, let's change the overtime rules. So um, it became, and people can correct me because this is when I was not watching this close. Instead of who scores first, if you score a field goal, is it? The other team still gets the ball. They guarantee each team two possessions. And I don't know if a touchdown took that away. I kind of, they maybe have changed. It's gone through through changes. And you're seeing, Mr. Plume is seeing right now, it's confusing. And there was players back then, I remember, I think it had, had to do with the Eagles. Our buddy Howe would remember. I think Donovan McNett, someone on the Eagles didn't understand the rules, didn't understand, and it ended up in a tie. It was a mess. So that's like two possessions. And you can make a partic- participation trophy joke because I probably did when this happened. Like, ah, the game ends, the game ends. But I'm okay with it now because if, if it happens to my team, give me a chance. When we were creating the rules to our home game ruckus, me and my roommates did have a, 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 a moment in the game. There was something that would happen in the game. And this is a game we created, ruckus, where we would throw – uh, six sets, uh, two sets of six darts at a Nerf football and a lemon hanging from a tree. We had we had ruckus tournaments at our house. I have the rules. I still think I should um, trademark them and start a, U- a YouTube league, and we'd be wildly successful. We just don't have the space for it. <laughs> so, um, but even we created a rule where there was an th- option that would, if you hit this thing, if you hit, the, I think it was you hit the lemon. I- I'm explaining rules to a game you guys have never played or heard of. If you got to five points, the lemon was open. The, hitting the lemon with a dart from about 25 yards away is harder than you would think, especially if it's suspended from a tree or at one point hanging is on the grass. But if you hit the lemon, the game was over unless your opponent could hit it themselves. And we always give the opponent one shot to hit the lemon. That's the lesson in life. Get, get a shot to hit the lemon. That's what the NFL was doing. That's even changed. I was sitting in Mark Ellis's house. We were having some buffalo, spicy buffalo chicken pizza from Brooklyn Pizza Wagon. It was so good. I'm still feeling the heartburn. I couldn't recall. I could, did not know what was happening. And then Mark didn't even know. He watches football regularly. That if Kansas City let the time run out, someone correct me or tell me I'm right. San Francisco gets the ball first. They score a a, a touchdown, right? Or or field goal, whatever it was. Um, Or didn't they? No, they didn't even score that. See, I'm confused. (laughs) Wait, why why are we throwing darts at Levens? I'll explain. Whatever. San Francisco gets the ball first. Kansas City was guaranteed to have the possession and complete their possession. This was the rule that Mark and I, I think, were a little confused about. Tony Romo was trying to tell everyone. Because it was at the end of the overtime quarter. San Francisco still needed a score. But their the time was not going to run out on them. It just would have kind of gone to bonus time, a second overtime. They had the right to complete their possession. Time could not end the game. Their possession ending would end the game. So even that was confusing. When did that happen? Mark and I have always thought that you've got if you got 17 seconds left in overtime and the clock is tick 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 ticking, you got to score. But apparently not. 
that's my confusing explanation of the overtime rules because it's confusing. I think they have to have a big sit-down to explain it. So what folks are saying is, what folks are saying is, San Francisco should have kicked the ball off, forced Kansas City to either score or not, and then had all day to go down the field and score and win and tie the game. Ken says, okay, one more time, but this time make it make sense. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't make sense to me. I also have been watching. I don't know. Elizabeth says, when the game went to OT, all I can think about is all the people's squares sheet um, just caused arguments because they didn't specify what happens. Yeah, Super Bowl uh, pools, I don't, I don't do the squares. Squares confuse me. This is Blathering Live. <sighs> We're still going strong. I'm getting hungry because I didn't eat dinner. Working hard today, kids. And... Um, we are uh, racing forward with more of your questions. So if you got a question, let me know. If you got a super chat, hit me, and that might force me to at least acknowledge a question. But don't forget also, we're highlighting this. My friend Jeff Hillbilly Scribs is once again participating in a shave-a-thon, a shave event for stbaldricks.org. This is a company, an uh, organization that puts on great events all around the world. You can donate to them anytime by going to stbaldricks.org. But if you go to stbaldricks.org slash participants slash Jeff Saunders, that's my guy, you'll support him and his team directly as they raise money for uh, research and uh, just uh, shining a spotlight on the needs and the struggles of those battling uh, childhood cancers. It's a great cause, great event. So uh, consider supporting my buddy Jeff and all the fine folks at stpaldricks.org. All right. Oh, we got a beach question, but I want to get to this one here. LQ. What? Why are we throwing darts at lemons? I've mentioned, I've mentioned this before a couple years ago. So apologize to those who I'm remix, remixing this to, but quite frankly, I don't think anyone remembers to my, try to make this sound clearer than the NFL overtime rules. One, I, I lived in a house in Northridge, California. And I'd been uh, in L.A. four or five years. And I had a couple roommates. My roommate Brian, my roommate Joel. Joel I knew from high school. Brian I'd met on the job. And he, um, we were all three, we had a dartboard with darts on the back patio. So it's a 1950s-style L.A. house, which means there was a nice backyard with a big kind of tree hanging in it, little uh, concrete path, nice uh, nice grass, and just a flat, like, patio with, you know, poles, like a porch patio kind of hang, uh, you know, uh, hangover kind of thing. And um, we were playing darts. We also, for whatever reason, because we, at this time, young men, we had a Nerf football. And the Nerf football was on the ground Beneath the dartboard. Had nothing to do with anything. I go in to take a phone call. Because this is back in the day where, you know, even if you had cell phones, you're still going to your handheld. I think a call, calling mom or something like that. I go back in for a bit. I come back. We had been playing darts. I come back and there's, they're throwing darts at the Nerf football on the ground, on the porch. 
If you ever thrown a dart into a Nerf football, it makes a very satisfying sound. Funk, like a funk. And they were laughing. I wasn't a heavy drinker then. I'm not, quite frankly, a heavy drinker now. Um, um, I think Brian indulged in some of uh, nature's uh, cigarettes. Uh, but uh, was, nothing was ha- It was like after work one day, Brian had just come from home. He was a banker. I was a security director. Joel worked in colleges as a screenwriting teacher and everything. We were just hanging. We are just thunk. So we thought it was fun. So instead of, you know, we didn't want to miss and hit the wall that the Nerf ball was up against. We took the Nerf ball and we put it out about 10 yards or so. I have the, I have the official measurements. We put, it, we, 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 we put it in the backyard and we started throwing things. Well, the tree in the backyard was, a, was one of the trees was a lemon tree. So at some point there was a lemon on the ground. So I, men at their tribal stupidness uh, here, uh, their caveman uh, mindset, we were throwing them at the, Nerf football. Then we tried to hit the lemon because it was farther back. Then we then we lined it up. All right, let's put, you know, we got 10 yards to the football. We got 15 to the lemon. And then naturally we started competing. And with the dart set, generally you have, I think we, we, had, we had six, 12 darts, uh, uh, 12 darts, three of each color, right? You get four colors in a traditional dart set. So we each had six darts. And it was one-on-one at first. It was like Joel and Brian. And the night we'd alternate. And we just started keeping score. And then we started making rules. And we started making rules that if you, if you have your six darts and you hit the football twice, you get to declare ruckus, which was a word. Joel was good at just throwing st- stupid words with no you know, rhyme or reason into conversations. Uh, so we cr- created a game called Ruckus. Or we, or, we, or we started yelling ruckus. And that meant you could then pull the two darts out of the Nerf football and throw all six at, the, at one time. Uh, you And you had to declare it. It was like Uno. Like, you have to declare Uno. If you didn't declare, I shall, I think it was like, I, I proclaim ruckus or some stupid, dumb thing. You then get, you then lost it and your opponent could then throw all six of their darts. And then once you got to five, five points, the lemon opened up. And if you hit the lemon, that's when I was telling you the game was over unless your opponent hit it. Then we changed that. We altered that. Then we took a a second Nerf football and tied a a rope around the football and and hung it in the tree. And that was worth two points. You had one point Nerf football, two point Nerf football, then a lemon behind him. Within week, and this is what we concentrated on for like three weeks. Now, every night we'd come home from work and we started playing the game and writing the rules down. About a month or so later, I invited a bunch of friends over. We had a ruckus tournament and it turned into a regular thing. And at one point, one friend of mine almost got his eye poked out with a dart. This is how intense it was. We had big tournaments. We awarded winners. And this was, this was 2002 or three range. A couple more years, and we probably had cell phone cameras we could have filmed this on. A couple more years, I would have had the equipment I needed to record this, include announcers, and turn it into something like that Marble Run YouTube channel. Someone else could steal my idea, I guess, at this point. Because I, I didn't explain all. I have, I have the official measurements. Fun memories of, of losing out on a lot of money. All right, Dylan asks this, and I got some super chats that I'm very thankful for. I'm going to get to. Dylan asks, um, being out in California, how often do you go to the beach? Which is your favorite? I don't. Don't go to the beach at all, Dylan. I um, 
And Hibbley Scribbs says, Ruckus is the game the world needs. I'm telling you. It's, Jeff, do you have a house for a ruckus field, a ruckus pitch? Because we could maybe play the game at your place. Uh, I don't go to the beach. I like the beach. I was raised in Pismo Beach. Uh, I like going to the beach. Pismo is a cold beach. It's you got to have a hoodie for most of the, your time to the beach. But here in L.A., it's too far. I, I don't like going down to Venice. I don't like going to Santa Monica. I haven't been to Malibu in no joke 11 years. Um, I had a wedding. Last time I was there with a friend, my friend Joey and his wife, uh, now wife Meredith, they got married to Malibu. I think it was the last time I've been to Malibu. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, uh, um, it's just too much of an effort. I like the beach. I think the beach is very calming. I like going to shore shorelines and shorefronts and all that stuff. When I'm in Edmonds, uh, Washington, when Mark and I go up to Seattle, we always uh, head out to Edmonds, Washington, which is you get to see where the um, ferry comes into town for uh, that takes you out to Bainbridge Island, and you get to there's a little fishing pier you walk out onto. I, every time I'm out there, rain or shine. Poor Grace, I made Grace go out there and a downpour this last time we we're up there. Because the water, the waves, the shoreline's relaxing. But it's too, you just can't do it in L.A. L.A., people will complain that L.A. is spread out, and they're not wrong. It's just, it misses the point. LA's, L.A.'s got little communities and little sections of town, and that's if that's your spot, that's your spot. I love where I am. Uh, I don't need to go to Venice. But I got, I got some people who, they moved to Venice, they love it, they love the beach, and I haven't seen them in 20 years. No joke. All right. Hillbilly asks, can we all meet up once a year for ruckus? With the Royal Ruckus? I'm game. Super chat, and I appreciate it from Brian Tiller. You've just joined me. Um, I will try to answer all your questions. This is what the Blathering Live is about. Uh, and um, if uh, you have a question that I don't want to answer, I won't answer. But if you super chat it, I will acknowledge it. Um, but Super Chats are not needed to join the conversation. As I said tonight, you should also consider supporting the fine folks at stbaldricks.org. Brian Taylor says, what are you pairing with that drink for dinner? Uncrustables? Look, just because I had an Uncrustable at 4.52 tonight does not mean you can accuse me of always eating Uncrustables. This rum and cherry cherry lime soda is being um, consumed alone. There's nothing with it. I've got some uh, Thai food on the radar screen for uh, after the stream. I'm going to enjoy that. Maybe an orange chicken. Maybe some sort of uh, pad thai. Um, but uh, for now, no food. But I did have an... I didn't eat lunch today. Am I a hero? Yes. Am I a hero for doing this show with no food in my belly? Yes. I'm saying it here right now. I'm a hero. Uh, but I um, scarfed down one of my uh, last Uncrustables. I think we're down to one Uncrustable. And I, the grape cherry, the grape jelly ones, excuse me, the grape jelly and peanut butter ones. Huh, big. All right. Uh, I got to check if I'm getting a text. No. Uh, Matthew Stokes, my face is covered by this wonderful super chat. Ten pounds. I still have my pounds from my trip to uh, London in April. And I have some, uh, what do they call money in uh, 
France baguettes. I have some French baguettes uh, and some uh, London pounds. Uh, no, French, I have um, the, the EU money. Matthew Stokes has grown up. My sister and I played a game we called Apple Bamboo. We stick bamboo canes through apples and hit each other with them. Loser was the first one to lose the apple on their cane. Um, I, uh, I, want, I don't want to play this game. I don't want to play this game, Matthew, but I want to see video footage of you playing this game. That's impressive. Uh, that's, uh, that's, <laughs> did any adult stop you? And I do like the simplicity of, of the game. What are we going to call this game in which we stick an apple on a bamboo stick and hit each other with? We're going to call it apple bamboo. Matthew, I want to know more of the, the rules. Did you have to proclaim anything? Were there timeouts? How did you decide who got to swing first? Or was it a free-for-all? How do we structure this into a competition? This is what I think I need. This is what I think I need from you, Matthew. We need to revisit this game. And can we turn those apples into little Nerf balls? Matthew Stokes has an update. Well, let's just add Matthew Stokes with an update. We had an apple tray. Figured we should do something productive. I agree with that. We had a Nerf football, 12 darts, and a lemon tree. Magic was bound to happen in that situation. Magic was a foregone conclusion. Ruckus always existed. Just like apple bamboo was destined to always be. Super chat from Jared Olet. Jared Olet. That's how we say it on Force Center. 90s band that you never saw, but you'd want to. That's a great question. While I think about that, let me uh, follow up with Apple Bamboo and PLD. Apple Bamboo feels like the kind of game an older brother tells his younger sibling about. Makes the f takes the first big swing so hard that they lose their apple immediately and say, you won, and walks away. Sounds like PLD, Paul, has played a version of Apple Bamboo in his own life. That's what I think. Jared, super chat question here. 90s band that you never saw that you would want to. Well, my favorites I've seen. Oasis. Garbage. I saw the refreshments. I saw the gin blossoms. I saw Dead Hot Workshop. Multi-era band. All of them, quite frankly. I saw the Bogman. I saw the Bare Naked Ladies. Those are the bands I saw during that era. I saw Travis, but I call them early 2000s, even though they broke in the late 90s. I saw Corner Shop, 90s uh, band, but I didn't see them until the early 2000s. I saw Jet, early 2000s. I saw Caspian, late 90s, early 2000s. But the band I haven't seen, the band that I love, and the band that I had a chance to see this past year with Bare Naked Ladies, but again, I'd already seen them, is Semisonic. A lot of you might know them as a closing time band, but and that is accurate and true. And closing time is a great song, but they are much, much more than that. They are back now. They have a new album out, a new music out. 
Jake, um, you have John Munson, Jake Slichter, and uh, Dan Wilson. Dan Wilson, great producer, songwriter as well, produced uh, and co-wrote Adele's Someone Like You and a lot of great songs. Um, I worked with Liam Gallagher on some of the solo stuff. <sighs> Never saw Semisonic. Semisonic was supposed to be the K-Bear 95 Christmas party band of 1997. We were a bit, my program director loved them. Or maybe it's 96. My program director loved them. And I loved them. And we would talk to their A&R rep all the time. But we, we, we are going to help you. I forget what label they were on. But their A&R guy loved us, loved our station. Because we, we just, we're just going to make, we're going to try so hard to make, make this happen. For Semisonic. First album, The Great Divide is wonderful. And uh we were gonna we were gonna they were gonna we were gonna fly them out, make them our Chris we had a, every year we had a Kaber 95 Christmas party, and uh they were gonna be the band. And I was so excited, and it didn't happen. Instead, we got another great band called the Hazies. They had a great song in the 90s called Skin and Bones. Um didn't do much after that, unfortunately. Uh you can't even find that song on the streaming services. Great band, great song. Great set of guys, and um, I'll never forget. Two people bought tickets. We had the we had the radio staff, but like we were expecting a sold out hundred people in this tiny uh, club venue in San Luis Obispo, California. Two people, and the Hazies played an amazing show. They got paid. They showed up for the people that showed up for them, and we all sat and had dinner afterwards. And they were great guys. I remember the guitarist saying really encouraging things to me that I wanted to, I'm saying, I want to move to LA and do comedy. And he's like, you're going to do it, man. You're going to find yourself. You're going to do it. Um, so I was glad to see the hazies. So I'm not taking that away from me, but I really wanted to see Semisonic. So I'm going to go see Semisonic. They're back out. Darth Chaco's back checking in on Twitch. Hello from San Diego. I love San Diego. More discussions about Apple Bamboo. <laughs> Matthew says, my sister was bigger than me. That's still how it worked <laughs> in regards to PLD's comment about the game. LQ, putting some lemons uh, down. And Hillbilly Scribs, we all should be donating to him. He's donating to my uh, beanie fund. I appreciate it, Hillbilly. I love you, brother. I love you. Uh, Jared says, I never saw against, Rage Against the Machine. Great option. Great option. You can see them. A lot of great 90s bands. I finally, I didn't see Garbage until last year. In fact, it was Brian Tiller uh, that saw... Garbage with me, Metric, Noel Gallagher's High Flying Birds, and Garbage. And it was everything. Uh, I haven't seen Alanis set. Liz Fair, one of my favorites. I've seen several times. I haven't seen Alanis set, And I was going to see all of them. I hadn't seen Garbage and Alanis set. Always bummed. Still haven't seen U2, which is, drives me crazy. They're, like, you know, up there with my favorite band. Still haven't seen them. And uh, I, was, I got tickets for the Hollywood Bowl. Got tickets for the Hollywood Bowl. Garbage, Alanis Morissette, Liz Fair. Liz Fair pulled out of the show, uh, pulled out of the tour. No one really knows why. Eventually did her 30th anniversary Exxon Guyville show, which I saw with Brian Tiller as well this year at the Wiltern. Great show. Cat Power replaced her. Didn't matter. I was, I've seen Liz enough. Bummed I couldn't see her. Love Cat Power. Love Alanis. Love Garbage. Hollywood Bowl. Let's do this. This was the week that the one of the last, I think, Schmodowns in New York, um... We had to get out there. Ellis and I had shows, and we couldn't find a, a, a dog sitter. A dog sitter for our, our Baxter boy. Franny wasn't in our lives yet. And 
now we have some options. We have some places we can take them. But we didn't have our dog sitter at the last, like last second. Uh, had to cancel. So instead of going to that concert, I drove Baxter to my mom and dad's house, three hours away in my hometown. They agreed to watch Baxter for the entire time we were in New York. And I gave the tickets away to my friend Thad Williams. He did pay me back. He, he gave me a little bit. He, was, he felt bad for me. I didn't charge him the full price of the tickets because I had like four tickets. Um, so I missed the opportunity. But eventually saw garbage. I know. Oh, what was me tail? All right. Um, question from Tully. Whatever happened to your Mysteries and Unexplained show? Any chance it may return? Uh, Mysteries in the un Unexplained, one of my favorite things to do here. Some of the episodes still on the channel. All the episodes still on the podcast feed. Um, I'm for the most part rolled that into Saturday Night Napsock when I did that for two years on the pod, two or three years on the podcast feed. Nolan Guthrie was uh, a regular contributor to Saturday Night Napsock. I always intended it to be something on another day. Um, but the uh, the bummer, the reality is, um, mysteries in the unexplained, uh, anything with Dutch Allen and Saturday Night Napsock were probably. My most critically high-praised pieces of content I've ever produced, the people that love those things, like yourself, Tully, with Mysteries, loved them and, and still miss them, and I miss them. Uh, overall, though, I would say if they had a Rotten Tomato score, the public rated it low. My numbers went way down. Uh, a lot of things were happening. It wasn't just the show, pandemic, changing habits and everything. But that's kind of what happened. To be honest, people weren't uh, listening as much. But I still like them. I still love those characters. And I still uh, want to get back to them. You never know. Dylan asked this question. Um, what level of spicy do you like your pad thai? I'll go medium. Um, it's not that I don't like... Uh, let, me, let, me, let me be clear about this, Dylan. Because I don't want you spreading any nasty rumors about me. I like spicy things. All right, I'll go, I'll go, I'll ratchet up the spice, but my stomach does not. So the taste, the feel, even the tears, maybe a little snot dripping down, I'm good with that. I like that sometimes. Hit me. I'm like, uh, like Steve Martin in Little Shop of Horrors and that Billy, Billy Murray, Steve Martin dentist scene, right? Right? Like, yeah, let's do this. Let's do this. Or is it Bill Murray's the one that wants the pain? I'm like Michael Keaton in Batman when it comes to spicy. You want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. But my stomach says, we're not. We're not. I got that from my mom. My dad loves spicy things. He loves it so much that he gets some of those dangerous level of hot, hot sauces. But he's had heart problems. He's had stomach problems. And his doctors are like, stop doing that. And he still does it. He's stubborn. So my spicy level pad thai, I usually go medium. David McKay says, SNN slapped. Thank you, David. Um, there's no other else to say it. I wish I could still do it. I wish I could still do it. It wasn't for the numbers. It just was, um, it was hard to turn around. It was hard to turn around and it needed, it needed to be written in one day. And every Saturday I'd write it and I'd try to get it out by six o'clock Pacific I was really proud of it. Had a lot of fun doing it. I would try to 
prep it during the week. I would try to write during the week, but it was so news related and so news based uh, that um, kind of needed to be that day. And I just I ran out of steam. Ran out of steam. Plume reminds us to hit that like button. Don't make me ask overtime questions again, because I will. Super chat from our good friend, Laser Bolt. I haven't already ran about aliens lately. Any juicy news we're talking about. Uh, Jed Murrow's here. Jed Murrow's Jed Murrow here just in time to hear me talk about aliens. Also, Laser Bolt says he absolutely loves spicy. Jed Murrow in chat. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say this about my friend, Jed Murrow. One of the one of the most loyal and, and and best friends I've ever had. I really mean that from the bottom of my heart. I'm gonna take another sip of uh, alcohol here. I'm doing a I'll be your Valentine episode. It's a shame that Jen Murrow is spending Valentine alone. She should have two princes like a spin doctor song fighting at her feet. But she's such a busy, hardworking lady. Creating shows, working on shows that in about a year's time or sooner, you're all going to be talking about. So, Jen, I'm sorry you're stuck with my face on Valentine's Day because you've been working all day. There you go. Uh, Laserbolt says, uh, I haven't heard you rant about aliens lately. Any juicy news we're talking about? I've fallen off on it there. I know there was some more stuff released today. Uh, Stephen Greenstreet's got some great videos uh, uh, out there right now um, about the what, what I believe is kind of the religious cult behind a lot of this, the religious cult being the folks in the government, Tim Burchett and whatnot, um, the late Harry Reid, Democrat Harry Reid, who um, gave the money to Robert Bigelow. I, I don't have any – the problem is I don't have any new updates, Liz Um I'm always curious – I'm waiting. I'm waiting for someone to give me the proof that it's all real. I love myths. I love urban legends. I love ghost stories. I love Bigfoot stories. I love Loch Ness stories. I love uh, uh, gray alien stories. I love all the conspiracy theories. (sighs) I don't believe any of them. So I want to hear what you got. And the George Knapps of the world and the Jeremy Corbells and all those folks, they keep presenting things that just are not what they claim to be. And so I keep running into that roadblock. There was some stuff recently with the footage. It was definitely weird. Probably a balloon, maybe a smudge on the camera. These things can easily be not necessarily disproven, but they can be easily cast aside. You've... We've got to have the proof. Laserbolt, you live in an area where I know some friends of mine claim to have seen aliens. With your drones, we got to find the footage, man. And Laserbolt, if you find the footage, if you're up there flying a drone and you see something that we know is UAP related, let's get it out to the world. I'm game. I want to know the truth. I just think we've got the truth. Blazerwell says you got it. Let's find it. Dylan asked this question. How did you and Alden work together? Then I got a great comment uh, or a comment we're going to address here from uh, uh, Horizon Brave. Dylan Barry says, how did you and Alden come to work together? Alden Diaz, my co-host, 
on Anytime with Ken and Alden. Uh, we we also work on Casterly Talk, though Casterly Talk's always kind of in a bit of a hibernation period. Uh, Alden was a listener of some of my shows. He is uh, much younger than me. He was a listener of some of my shows. Uh, they're in the Collider days. In uh, 2000... 2016 into 17? Yeah, it's about 2017. Uh, I got hired by uh, Anchor when it launched uh, to do uh, a show called Daily Thrones, is what I called it. I got hired to do 10 minutes of uh, Game of Thrones-related podcast content directly on my phone uh, for that time. It was a good little part-time job. Uh, they... Um, um, they allowed for call-ins. Like, you could, on your phone, leave little messages and ask me questions, and I could put them into the show. It was a good system. Anchor is, compl- Anchor is now owned by Spotify. All that stuff's kind of gone away. I think they even finally got rid of the message feature, which is a bummer. I had stopped using it for a while, but it was great. Um, and a lot of people used to come with great questions. There was great. Mark Kamire had some great questions. Uh, my friend Thomas had some great questions, and I did work with Thomas on some things. Alden would call in. And uh, Mark and Thomas and a lot of other folks, uh, Eric Monroe was another great example of someone who used to call in with great things. Eric, I think I could say Eric Monroe out there, one of the most knowledgeable Game of Thrones fans I know. But Alden's calls were great. I thought he had a great broadcast voice. Um, they really um, advertised who he was as a, as, a, as a young broadcaster and fan. They were very thoughtful, very, very thought-provoking, but in a non-challenging, um, hot-take kind of way. He also wasn't super hungry for anything other than calling into the show. He wasn't trying to audition for a job that uh, wasn't there for him. He just, he made things that I liked, so I was intrigued by him. Then he started writing great questions for us on Force Center. Like, he, he was a Patreon supporter. He'd write some, thing, some things in. I was just intrigued by this guy. Online, he's kind of at times an inflammatory person, and I've told him this. He knows this. He knows this. He's a 12-tweet he's a thread kind of kid. He doesn't mind going toe-to-toe with people. He'll roll up his sleeves and fight you in a comment section. And it's one of the things that I don't have in me. He has it. Uh, and it doesn't mean I even 100% always agree with him, some of the things he says, Star Wars otherwise. But we're generally in agreement. And we're generally in agreement on how to discuss these things in the world. Did not meet him till 2019 in Chicago. He came out to the uh, Four Center Live event at a nice bar outside of um, the downtown Chicago. Met him, uh, great cat, probably hung out with a few times there. And just, um, I think eventually I was uh, a guest on his show, Octo Radio. I like his style. I like what he did. He also worked in radio at the time. So he's kind of we kind of spoke the radio language. And I'm always looking for other people to work with. And I'm always looking for, I like working with my peers, but I like looking behind me and pulling people up. I don't have a lot of reach. I don't have a lot of... Um, power but i like doing that and i always have when i was in morning radio and 20 years and 21 years old there was like a, a 13 year old kid uh, that called into the radio my morning show a lot to the radio station and and, and he um kind of like me shy kid just in his room listening to radio and wanted to be a broadcaster i would take his calls um, during the summer with his uh, parents' permission, we allowed him to kind of come to the station and kind of intern a little bit, pull CDs down. I wanted to teach him. I don't know where he is now. 
Uh, maybe he's in radio. Uh, I actually got in trouble for it because people were like, hey, look, he's uh, the radio station was like, he's a non-employee. We can't have him in the facility. And I was like, I got it, I got it, I got it. I was bummed, but I got it. So I've been doing that my whole existence. And Alden's part of that. Uh, and it's exposed me to a whole um, other group of folks that I wouldn't normally be exposed to. And plus he's got the young vote. That's that. At the beginning of the show, we read this nice comment from Horizon uh, Brave. I'm trying to get back up to the comment. Uh, and I um, um, addressed the comment at the top of the show. So Horizon, maybe you did miss it. Maybe you were there for it. Um, Horizon wrote, as someone who's spending year number six alone, can I appreciate this? My mental health and self-image is hitting near rock bottom, so I may be drinking when you start. I'm drinking now. Uh, so Horizon Brave has uh, popped back up in chat and said, Hey, Ken, I left a message early on, but I just want to say thank you so much, man. I'm struggling very bad with my self-confidence and self-image. It's been so grating on how I see myself. Uh, Horizon, I, you know, it's the same thing, too. I, I, I'm not here for uh, to give the advice because um, I think I, I need to take the advice. And that's okay, right? I'm going to give grace to myself, and you should give some grace to yourself as well. Grace meaning not just the name of my partner, my fiancé, but uh, grace being to give yourself that room to be human and to deal with these things and to know that, number one, you're not alone, but also that um, you, can, you can work through this. There's help available. There hopefully can be some people available. And if not, we're here for you. I don't have the answer on self-confidence and self-image because I'm still working on that myself. Some people got that down. Some people get that down early. Some of the stand-up comics I know who got success early and deserved it because they worked hard for it, they, they knew who they were earlier. They knew their voice earlier. Even if they changed and, and grew, and I know some of them have, I still struggle in stand-up a lot because sometimes that self-confidence leaves me in a snap. Had some great, I had a great show last week. I've had some great shows uh, early in 2024, even as I've had a horrible start to my year. If you watched two weeks ago, Horizon Brave, you saw me crying on this live stream out of pain, uh, lost feelings, overwhelmed feelings. Um, and a lot of that is because I don't know my own value and I can't fight for my own value. And I, I don't know what I'm worth sometimes. Um, lean on those willing to let you lean on them. Uh, I'll sh yeah, shout out my friend Jen Merrill. Jen Merrill not only is always helpful, um, and hopefully I help her as in ways I can. And but she she's the one to say this is what you're worth. Sometimes literally with money, in in this business, and sometimes with like this is what this is what you bring to the table, and we can't always see it. Horizon, uh, you probably have something uh, and and so much. Um, to bring to the table that you just can't see it right now. We can't see the forest for the trees. I don't want to assume that you have um, everyone around you to help. I hope you do. I hope to God you do. But sometimes we are not that lucky. In my early 20s, I moved to L.A. when I was 22. Uh, worked at the movie theater, then got the security job. Those were jobs that I needed but did not think were, were me. You have to learn at one point that you are not your job. As I said last week that my friend Robbie Smith, who's also an angel in my life, who said who told me in a phone call that he didn't know I needed at the time. He, Robbie did not know the moment he called me 
that I was alone in a parking structure in Burbank, not knowing what to do next with my life. And, and he called to tell me that um, I'll get emotional again, that I, I am not my failures. Um, I am not my failures and Horizon Brave. You are not your right now perceived shortcomings. Shortcomings being what you feel about yourself and your self-image. Probably actually not shortcomings, but what you see. You're not that. You're not your struggles. You're not your failures. Even if you don't know who you are beneath all that, I believe you'll find it. And I'll believe you'll have good days because I have good days. Today's a good day. I worked hard today. Uh, magically, I've picked up two, gig two gigs this week that are, 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 are um, one super easy, one kind of difficult, and I'm hopefully getting some more and hopefully things are turning up. But two weeks ago, I didn't see any of that. You all saw that. If you were watching The Blathering Live two episodes ago, I did not see anything in that mirror that I was staring into. You all did. Not because you're a fan of any silly show I've done. Not because you're a fan of the way I've made jokes about movie news or you're a fan of the way I answered some Star Wars trivia questions or you like solo Star Wars story just like me. You all could see what I couldn't two weeks ago, and I needed that. And that's all I can offer to you, Horizon. I don't know you personally. I don't know what's going on. But we'll be your mirror. And the people around you can be your mirror. Horizon adds, uh, I appreciate it, living alone, school alone. It's usually the most alone, isolated film, 36 years. I appreciate it. Well, yeah, uh, yeah what I was starting to say is um, I really get that. I moved to L.A. in 1998, August of 1998. It was 22, ready to take on the world. Um, working those jobs. That's where that tangent started. I was working those jobs. I had friends. I had roommates that I went to high school with, Joel and Casey, who I'm still friends with. We had another roommate. Uh, don't talk to much more, but I'd known him pretty well back then. A couple other friends in the area. Um, I had my uncle. My, my aunt and uncle lived in town. My uncle was the one who got me the security job. He's a retired LAPD officer, become a security director at the North Attraction Center and got me in. I made some friends there. I was a couple years away from finding some of uh, the friends that are still in my life. You know, I didn't find them yet there. Uh, but outside of those friends, and again, I had good friends. But I was also from like late 1999 to uh, late 2001, I worked at graveyards. So I'd go to work at 10 p.m. I'd get off at 6 a.m. I'd sleep until 2 Maybe earlier, maybe later. I'd get up, run some errands, try to write a script or think about my comedy future, and then it was time to get ready for work. And I was, uh, I was alone. Even though I had friends around me, I had good roommates around me. We'd sit and play Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2. We'd watch sports. We had one TV to kind of share between us. We'd go, I'd go fire up my net zero, get on AIM and talk to somebody. I did all that stuff too, but I was alone. And that's the scary thing. And I understand it, Horizon Brave, when you feel alone. It's real. It's not imagined. It's not imagined. It's real. You're living alone. Going to school alone. You go to the grocery store alone. You cook for yourself alone. Uh, maybe you can get a pet, but that's impossible sometimes. That's fine. That's fair. So I don't want you to run away from that feeling. I want you to acknowledge that what you're feeling isn't, um, isn't incorrect. Because that way you can almost gaslight yourself. 
you can almost uh, talk yourself out of what's going on. Um, and that's all I can offer you, Horizon. And, and, and the final thing is to say, I'm very glad you're here today. Very glad you're here today. Uh, Jared asked this question. Uh, well, let's know. Matthew Stokes got a follow-up here. Being alone can give a lot of time for introspection. That is risky, but not a bad thing. It's really important this time to spend understanding yourself, not judging yourself. That's a great sentence. That in this time, seek understanding, however possible, and however difficult that may be, and not judging yourself. And I, and I do that now. That, that, that's been the last month because there's been some very real and often financial struggles that I've had to deal with and confront and try to fight through. Thank God I've had people to help me. And not just talking about generous super chats, which were uh, humbling, but, but, but uh, people in my life, my parents. Uh, my parents and I had a strained relationship the last couple of years. We divided uh, over politics and we still have a divide. We, we cannot talk about it or we'll start getting upset at each other. Um, because I view politics as morality and they don't. They view it as just a part of a, th a thing over here and it doesn't affect other parts of life. And we disagree fundamentally on things now, which we didn't in the past. But we were able to push through it and they've been able to help me a lot too the last year. But all that stuff is very real. And that can be overwhelming. And that causes me to judge myself. Matthew's comment is wonderful. Um, resist the urge to judge yourself but take the time to discover who you are, no matter the age. I'm turning 48 in a couple months. God. I'm turning 48. I moved here when I was 22. You all started seeing me on schmoes uh, when I was early 30s. And um, I've changed 10 times since then, in a good way. Not a flippy, floppity, chase the trends type of change but I've changed who I am a lot and each version continues to be the better version of me that's the good thing about change uh, Jared says will Castley Talk return with Hot D House of the Dragon uh, yeah maybe could be <sighs> Alden and I have had some meetings we have some ideas and things we want to do with Castley Talk I'm not done I love the world can't wait for the second season of House of the Dragon I do admit it didn't pull me in as much as Game of Thrones did, but it's hard to recapture what was there in 2011. I hope the second season of House of the Dragon has a little more spirit and humor to it and warmth. Um, um, Super Beast says, oh dear, first time catching the stream and I already can't follow all the chat rules, especially the last one. Hey, you know, it's fine. Break rules. Happy Hudson Eyes is here. Happy Valentine's Day. Um... I, uh, 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 so yeah, I'm not going to belab belabor it too much longer. I would love for Castle Talk to return. I need to pare down some of the things I do. And at some point, maybe I have to make the decision that I just can't keep up with the Castle Talk like I'd want to. And it's better to pull it back than to do it. But we're not there yet. And, uh, House of the Dragon will come soon enough and we'll be talking about it, is what I, I do believe. Uh, Jared's got a question about Star Trek. We'll come to back. We'll come back to that. I don't know if Jen Murrow is still in chat, but she's going to really want me to say some stuff about the Star Trek. Uh, Trey T says any SNN ideas starting to percolate? Um, 
Sure do miss it, bud. Yeah, we talked about it earlier, Trey T. Uh, David Burton says, watching from Cedar Hill, Texas. Love that. Thank you, thank you, Mr. Burns. Um, I miss Texas. I love Texas. Uh, and this is one of the things not to suddenly uh, whisk, whisk it into political talk. There's a lot of things I don't like about a lot of the leading Texas politicians right now, just like I don't like a lot of the leading Florida politicians right now. Um, and there's some decisions to be made around that and who you want to give money to and all that kind of stuff. But but I, I love the people of Texas, and I love Texas. I spent some time there in 2008. Uh, our friend Jeff Hibbley Scribbs is in Texas. And by the way, don't forget, if you're just joining us here tonight, we are still highlighting Jeff's charity uh, that he's working with. There's Jeff getting his head shaved. He does this, does this every year for children battling childhood cancers and in memory of those who have uh, gone before them. Uh, stbaldricks.org slash participants slash Jeff Saunders to support Jeff and his team directly there. He's in Texas. Um, I will never, I will never throw away uh, a state, a county, a community, uh, uh, anyone uh, because uh, uh, of their leaders. It's hard. Like I said, I, I've, I've, I've parted ways with some friends. I've struggled with my parents, but it's all complicated. But I still think we can bend but not break those bonds. I love Texas, man. Cedar Hill, Texas, I've never been there. I want to get there. Austin, Texas, I want to get there. I want to get back to Fort. I want to get back to the stockyards in Fort Worth where I went and had one of the best ice creams in my life with my friend Brian out there. Uh, Dallas was great. Spent, uh, you know, um, drove through Deep Ellum as best I can get there. Uh, there you go. Um, there you go. All right, I'm going to get the Star Wars question. Uh, doo, doo, doo. Dylan says this, though. Every cowboy sings a sad, sad song. Kind of funny line. Cowboys are always these tough heroes, but even they have a sad song and feel in their heart. Super normal. You the man can't. Thank you, Dylan. I agree with that. It's a sad song in your heart's not a bad thing. Um, all right. Uh, Jared comes in with this one here. Uh, this is, this is, uh, funny to me. Uh, I've never heard you, your star, uh, sorry, let me read that again. I've never heard your Star Wars loving heart say anything about Star Trek. <laughs> uh, first of all, uh, Kingsport Cal's here. Ken, I was sort of at work and they sent my arrogant ass home, so I'm here. Kingsport Cal, one of my favorites. Speaking of areas that I love, Tennessee. All right, here's the deal. So um, I love Star Trek. I actually do. I actually do. I don't like it. I am not a science fiction person. I It's not any insightful thing to say Star Wars is at best sci-fi fantasy, but it's mostly fantasy. It's a modern myth. It's a saga. I was drawn in by that. Later in my life, drawn in by Lord of the Rings. Later in my life, drawn in by Game of Thrones. But I don't even love all of fantasy. I like these properties. Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones. Um, Star Trek, it's easy to pit the two against each other, and it's easy to say they're in the same genre. I don't think it's... They're not completely walled off. I think there's some fantasy myth and great thematic work in Star Trek, and I think there's some science fiction at work in Star Wars. You don't have to wall them off. I did have a friend all through junior high and into high school. My friend Steve, uh, he's a Star Trek fan, and he and I used to, um, uh, he and I used to absolutely battle over Star Trek and Star Wars all the time, all the time. But 
growing up as a kid, like I saw Return of the Jedi, and I know, I know the Wrath of Khan came out a year prior, 1982, right? Yeah. Um, but I saw Return of the Jedi, then it was like, well, what's next? And my dad used to like Star Trek, so we'd watch the original show. It would be on, you know, syndication or whatever on Saturday night. He didn't watch it religiously, but it would be on. So I, was, I knew what Star Trek was eventually. So I was like, Star Wars, Star Trek, they're the same thing. So I was drawn in by it. Wrath of Khan, which still, I believe, stands up. Good. I haven't watched it in a while, but Wrath of Khan's a great film. Uh, loved that. I saw Star Trek the- 3 in the theaters. And Star Trek 4 was... Absolutely one of my best theater-going experiences. Around the time of, like, Rocky IV. But Star Trek IV was amazing. I liked the humor. I liked the connection to the real world because my dad uh, is... um, My dad was in the Navy, and we actually at one point got to go visit the USS Enterprise when it was uh, um, docked up there in Northern California. So Star Trek IV, they actually go to the USS Enterprise. And I was... It was like a celebrity that I'd been friends with. I was like... I was telling my friends, like, you know, in the Star Trek movie, they go to that aircraft carrier? I know it. I've hung out with it. I've been there. So I loved it. I loved it. Uh, five, I know, you know, doesn't, you know, whatever. But I had a Yosemite in it, so I liked it. Star Trek Six. my friends and I ditched school to go see. I love Star Trek Six. I even saw Generations in the theater. Star Trek Eight, First Contact, great film. From there, my relationship, I don't, didn't, I think I saw Nine or I don't know. Uh, and I like J.J. Abrams. I like he, he comes along and he, and he kind of, uh, he, I, I, you know, I know his first uh, Star Trek, though though I think widely praised, is considered more of a Star Wars-y version of Star Trek. Uh, yeah, great. That's why I liked it. It was also funny. It was warm. I liked that a lot. I get why it didn't work for some or it didn't hold up. I get it. His second, the second one, maybe, not so much. I didn't see them any after that. I, don't, I haven't seen any of the new Star Trek shows. Uh... Animated otherwise. And um, I, uh, I'm i laughing because, uh, you know, my, my friend Jen, is, you know, writes on some of these shows. <laughs> so um, I've been around, what's his name? The, the Metallus, Terry Metallus, the, the guy, the showrunner Picard. I, I, I've, uh, and I feel bad, you know, because I like Picard too as a character. Who doesn't like Picard? Um, so, like, I, uh, Star Trek Four though, my God, loved it. In fact, one of the greatest moments of my life uh, just happened recently. I finally got to meet, there's a guy named Kirk Thatcher, and I finally got to meet Kirk. All my friends know Mr. Thatcher. Jen, my friend Ken Plume, my friend Matt Key, all these all these people are like, oh, you got to meet Kirk Thatcher. He's Muppets and worked on Return of the Jedi. Nuts to all that. He was the punk in Star Trek Four that Spock does the... Vulcan neck pinch to and turns off that nasty sinful boombox. I met him recently and it was that was a thrill. So I ha- I love a lot of Star Trek and and I love what it has to say. It is deeply political. It is deeply uh, rooted in, in 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 social justice and it is uh, deeply important in what it has to say and has always said that and that's no that's no su- surprise though it would seem some people are often confused by that I guess. Um, I just, it doesn't pull me in. It doesn't pull me in. I think if there were larger battles, (laughs) if there was a giant, uh, um, if there was a giant, I'm talking giant Federation versus Klingon battle 
that ended a movie, I think maybe I would have been pulled in a little bit more as a kid. That's why I like like like, like the Bird of Prey is a great ship. I don't I don't like cloaking devices on ships. That's number one, two sci-fi. And as Joseph Scrimshaw once pointed out to me on a Force Center episode, when I said I do not like cloaking devices on ships, he said that makes sense because you don't like it when people get to hide who they really are. Joseph's the best at breaking down themes, both in Star Wars and our own lives. I really mean that. So uh, the Bird of Prey, I, I could get rid of the cloaking device, but it's one of the most beautifully designed ships in uh, sci-fi fantasy uh, genre properties. It's just amazing. Horizon says, okay, yeah, Deep Space Nine had a lot of war at the end of it. Okay. Okay. All right. Verm I like Vermont Mike. Uh, so cloaking is cool as long as there are rules. You can't fire what cloaked. Yeah, I see. Okay. I agree with that. That keeps in line with my thematic issue with cloaking. You don't get to hide who you are and strike from that position and hurt people from behind that veiled wall. You have to unveil yourself to strike. I like that, Mike. Uh, literally describing Deep Space Nine. I don't remember a big battle. I know the Borg are there. One of my friends from high school was a Borg. He was Icheb. Uh, my, my friend from high school, Manu Interreme, was Icheb in, uh, in uh, Voyager or Deep Space Nine or whatever, or Kirk Comes Home or whatever. I liked Next Generation. I liked Q. I liked Q, John Delancey's Q. I liked that. I don't, um, I don't, I just don't, at the end of the day, it's like you're, you're, you've got it, you're, you got your favorite flavor of ice cream and you're like, Ken, you've got to try pistachio. And I'm like, um, Nah, I'm sticking. I'm sticking with mint chip. Uh, that's just what it is. Star Trek versus Star Wars. But I've got a lot of nice things to say about it. We are the Porg. I am the Borg and the Porg. Borg are Voyager's villains. All right. Yeah. Okay. And a huge multi-race war at the end. The changelings. Yeah. Okay. The, the, you're. Ne I'm. No. I'm never going to fight any of you on Star Trek. It's not a matter if Star Wars is better and Star Trek isn't. Star Wars is better for me. Uh, the epic space battle where Klingons and Federation fight uh, the Dominion in D Deep Space Nine is exactly what Ken needs to check out. But, okay, but like, be honest with me, Laserbolt. What did it look like? Deep Space Nine isn't uh, exactly new. Did it look like they made it on my Commodore 64 because that will pull me out as well. Be careful what you recommend. <laughs> uh, it looked practical. All right, all right. It looked great, says Jared. Horizon Brave says it looked pretty good. All right. You know, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll ask my friend Jen about it. She's a Star Trek nerd. She likes Star Wars too, but she's a Star Trek nerd. I think when I'm not looking, she dresses in the away team red. Um, <laughs> now that Dune has proven its superiority, us Star Trek and Star Wars fans can stop arguing. Um, yeah, I don't like, there's nothing about Dune I like either. That's not, and by the way, that's not a comment on, on, the, on the, the new movies. They look spectacular. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't see the old one. I just, 
I cannot tell you how bored I am by any shot I see of Dune. Uh, puts ba- Tully Quentin says it looks fantastic and puts Babylon 5 to shame. Uh, me shooting something on my cell phone footage right now might put Babylon 5 to shame. Um, Super Beast says I love Dune, but it's very slow. That's, uh, there's, there's not, no, I, I'm, I'm not trying to be a hot take Charlie here. I'm not trying to be some angry YouTuber. If you love Dune, again, you love Dune as it should be for you. There's not been one clip of this modern Dune footage, Denny Villeneuve or whoever the hell's doing Dune. There's not been one second of footage that made me want to see the movie. It, every shot bores me. <laughs> every shot just makes me go, I don't care. And yes, and people will point out, well, you know, some of the elements of Dune are, yes, yes. George Lucas has been always very open about saying Star Wars is a amalgamation of all the things that influenced me, put into one blender, and served up as a new drink for a new generation and time and time and time again. Um, nothing I've ever heard from you makes me think you'd like it. Yeah. Yeah, yep. Yeah. <laughs> Go to your car and start yelling and whining. Yeah. <laughs> Ronald's here. Uh, just want to say love again. Jeff Murrow says... Well, at least Project Season 2 when it comes out, I'm co-producer. That's right. That's right. My buddy, this is why Brian Tiller and I are in a band together. I was only able to get, able to get through the first 10 minutes. See, there you go. Uh, yes, check out uh, uh, Prodigy Season 2 when it comes out. Uh, like I said, my pal Jen Murrow. All right. I know some stuff. I know some stuff. Oh, I know some stuff about Prodigy Season 2. Oh, I do. The right amount of super chats. I might, I might tell you all right here on the stream. I wouldn't do that to Jen. Um, can't ask. Can I at least admit uh, you love Dune's popcorn bucket? No, I don't love Dune's popcorn bucket. You know why? It looks scary. It looks like it should. It looks like you know a vagina with teeth, like that low budget B movie that's uh, I know it's out there. Um. Um. I absolutely, uh, no, it disgusts me. I would not want to reach my hand into that. I, this is how I'm influenced by things like this. Um, um, the original Burger King Return of the Jedi glasses. I have, I currently have a Lando classic one from 1980. And I have uh, my friend Brian replaced my C-3PO one that broke when I got it. He actually from Texas sent it out. Shout out to Texas again. Uh, my buddy Brian out there. Uh, I um, There was the, back in the day, the Burger King Return of the Jedi glass that had the Sarlacc pit on it. And whatever was else on, on, the, on, the, on the glass. Because of the Sarlacc pit, because of the sequence... Because of what it did to poor Boba Fett, I couldn't drink out of it. I was disgusted. My mom would pour my Kool-Aid in there, and I couldn't literally drink the Kool-Aid. For those who think I'm just a Star Wars show, I couldn't drink the Kool-Aid, literally, because I was disgusted by it. I can't have that popcorn reaching into my, uh No. Horizon Break, yeah, Teeth. The movie's called Teeth. I'm aware of the movie Teeth. And I do not want to watch it again. <laughs> Tully says, not over high, but at DS9 grows and having the character death of Game of Thrones. If DN sign gets India, it'll be next podcast. I, I don't I don't doubt it. I don't I really don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. 
that's what I'm saying. Like, um, there's nothing anyone can say about to me about Star Trek that will make me go, you're wrong. There's nothing. It's stuck around for all these decades for a reason. So there you go. Jedi Gothic here with a cheer. What's up, Jedi Gothic? But look, Jared, you challenged me. You wanted me to say something nice. I got a lot of things. Star Trek Six. I think Star Trek Six is just solid. Four is funny and it's a little bit different and it's got to save the whales and I don't think it's a bad thing. Totally get that. I don't remember much of five. I remember God and, and climbing El Capitan. I, know, I don't remember five, but Star Trek Six is a great film and it's got a great message. And First Contact, I haven't seen First Contact in a while. My uh, A friend of mine, Owen and I, we're, we wanted to do a, a quite a, I don't want to show our cards too much, but we wanted to do a documentary about First Contact uh, and some stuff. Around. He's got a great pitch for that. Uh, Laserbolt had a, quite, uh, had a good comment about, uh, yeah, Lucas was influenced by Dune Book and the Dune movies are influenced by George Lucas. It rhymes, like poetry. It rhymes. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I don't, and and, and uh, I, I want to be clear when I say stuff about like I'm not making fun of any anyone here in my audience or, or my viewership here that it loves Dune. I'm not making fun of anyone. It's just it's a, it's so funny to me how many times people will throw stuff back in my face if they're if we're in a bar arguing about Star Wars and Lucas and well you know he really you ever ever seen Hidden Fortress ever seen Seven Cent yeah yes you know who wants you to see those movies too. George Lucas. You know who's probably like, you should see the Dune movies, all of them, and read the books? George Lucas. That was his point. His point was he kind of looked around the landscape and was like, we don't have any of that going right now. We're, we got, it's Chinatown, Jake and French Connection. and all. I want to give that to the next generation. And these are the things that, you know, influence all that. And they're timeless tropes for a reason. They work for a reason. There we go. Uh, Ken Plum says we're doing a DS9 watch show. Short and done. I, I'm, but I won't. I, I, but I don't want to. You should bring a guest on that wants to. <laughs> I don't want to. I want to play Fortnite and Madden. That's what I want to do. And some folks are giving uh, Jen Morrow credit for uh, working on the stuff uh, she works on. You should bring uh, Hal, Hal Lublin on, uh, Ken, to your, your DS9 watch show. Uh, Michael McCarstle, the detective, checking in, just dropping to say, hey, my partner's helping me study for an exam tomorrow. Love you, gang. <laughs> Plume says, sorted and done. <laughs> uh, there you go. There you go. Uh, I'll respect. If you don't dig the new Dune Ken, you like you're like, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, so there you go. Uh, we've got a few more minutes left. I, I said good day, sir. Uh, a few more minutes left here. Thank you all. Uh, thank you all for, uh, super chats. We're going to be doing this every week. I think we're, I, we, it's bad programming to change your show a lot. We were doing this on Thursdays and then I got a, I had a standup gig uh, last week. I was like, uh, you know, maybe I should do this on Wednesdays. But then I realized Wednesday is also a good day for me to release the Anytime News segment. That took all day. This is uh, fun here tonight. Uh, so now that's been my... I woke up, started writing the news. Uh, I woke up, had an English muffin. I'm not a monster. Uh, did the news. 
uh, edited that, shot and edited that, got that out, doing this, Valentine's dinner after this, and that's my day. Um, I, I got There's a couple writing gigs coming up that I, it's going to put a wrinkle in some things. But we're going to do this every week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You stay around to find out. Become a member of the channel. You can watch the 20 Minutes of Coffee. We'll be live tomorrow, 10 a.m., right here, actually, over there on that desk. Um, and members get to watch it live, and then I broadcast it later. Uh, I want to highlight... Uh, so we got we got about five minutes left here in the show. Uh, my friend Jeff Hillbilly Scribs here in chat. He does work every year with stbaldricks.org, a great organization, a great foundation, uh, working to, uh, quite frankly, hopefully one day cure childhood cancer, at least combat it, at least give support, at least give love, at least help folks dealing with things tougher than any of us are right now. stbaldricks.org slash participants slash Jeff Saunders. Dear God, did I spell that right? Yeah, I think I did. I will, uh, after the show, I'm sorry, I, I was so f- hurried tonight, I did this late. Uh, I'll put it in a link in the YouTube description if you're listening on the podcast. Just go to St. Baldricks, stbaldricks.org slash participants slash Jeff Saunders and support Jeff's team as uh, they have their big shave-a-thon events, their shave events where they, a um, uh, bunch of members of the team, they raise money, they raise funds, shave their heads, and they do it in support of those. There. Spelling is correct. Uh, oh, but I, oh, I like this. Blazer Bolt says, when I got the notification for Anytime News, it reminded me that Blathering Live is coming up. Okay. Uh, Dylan says, where's the best place to watch? Twitch, Facebook? Uh, you know, if I had to choose one, I'd say YouTube because I need those YouTube numbers. I need the algorithm, uh, all those kind of things. But uh, quite frankly, uh, wherever you want, Dylan, whatever's easier for you. If you're on Twitch and people are there and you cheer and you sub, all those kind of things, um, that's a good spot. But wherever you want. But definitely... Um, uh, definitely uh, YouTube helps. Final questions, final questions. Uh, when's the next football stream? I don't know. I don't know if I will be. I, I, I know it probably breaks some hearts. Uh, love hanging out with all of you, play some football. I'm not saying no. I just don't think it will be a regular thing um, because, thank God, I, I, I told you uh, the, the update from my really, uh, uh, you know, emotionally upset self two weeks ago, if you watched the stream. Again, thank you all for the support. Um I, I have potentially a, a little uh, freelance gig coming, not a permanent weekly job thing, but I have something. It's, gonna, it, it's, it's, it's a writing thing, and that kind of puts some cramp. I need more time to actually write for that stuff, and that's why I have to kind of cut some stuff. Um, and streaming regularly with football is my, my is one of the first to go, even though I enjoy it. I'm still playing Madden. I'm in 2030 now. Team's doing good. We're the number one seed week 15. Uh, Laserbolt says time for MLB, MLB streams. Yeah. Um, uh, I think I'm going to get the new version this year. I haven't got the new one in a while. It's on my mind. Hey, well, the script says, thanks for always helping us out and get the word out. we got a big heart. Uh, thank you. Thank you. And so the folks who follow you, much love. Um, yeah. And, and next year for Jeffrey 10th, let's, let's figure out something big. Dylan asked another great question here. Um, and that question is, did you ever like whose line is it anyway? Did I ever? I love and loved whose line is it anyway. Um, absolutely loved it. I was a big fan of the BBC, the original version that used to play on Comedy Central. Clive uh, was a Clive Anderson was the host. 
that whole group. That's the, the group. That's the first time I saw Ryan Stiles. First time I saw Colin Mockery. I about ten years ago went and saw them live. Uh, them Greg Proops and another guy, not not Wayne Brady, someone else. I can't remember. Did uh, whose line is it anyway? Live, hilarious. I come from improv. I come from the improv game world, which is mostly what the the show is about. The newer version with Drew Carey and Aisha Tyler, I do enjoy them occasionally. Grace puts them on, and it's just kind of a fun thing to watch, and it's always fun. Um, yeah, but I, I do enjoy it. I always kind of, back in the day, I'm, I'm out of practice on the, that kind of improv, but I always wanted to. And I know a lot of people that ended up on the show. My, my former Groundlings director, Karen Mariama, was on Whose Line Is It Anyway a lot. Other people, um, some friends of friends, Heather Ann Campbell. I don't know her directly, but friend, she's close to some other friends of mine. She's been on the new version a lot. Uh, so a lot of talented people. And I, I think Colin Mockery and Ryan Stiles, two of the funniest human beings on the planet. So there you go. Um, oh, Mike, is, uh, when's the next sports card, Doctor? I, it's going to probably be Sunday. I uh, The Super Bowl. Blame the Super Bowl, Mike. I shoot those on Sundays. Uh, it's the only time I really have. And the only time it's real quiet around these these parts. And Super Bowl. And I thought, well, maybe, maybe I'll come home after the Super Bowl. No, there's no way. I was full on pizza. Um, so... A new one, uh, hopefully this Sunday. Uh, they've got some good track. They've been getting a little extra traction lately, so uh, I like that. Uh, if you're a fan of ASMR, uh, the link is down below. You can go to my Sports Card ASMR channel. If you're not, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. But I would say this. If you are, f- even if you think ASMR is weird and you don't know why I do it, maybe just subscribe to the channel and you don't have to ever watch the videos. But it would really help if I could get that channel to 1,000 subs. It would really help. It would really help. Uh, Dylan says, uh, did you ever do US, used to be improv? No, I was at the Groundlings. Uh, I was at the Groundlings from 1990 and training at the Groundlings, uh, not part of the, the main troupe or the Sunday company. Um, I was part of the Groundlings training program from 1999 to 2002. I did a lot of improv coming up in like my junior high drama days and my high school drama days. Loved improv. Um, then, yeah, then I really kind of stopped. I could still uh, probably jump in and do it. Uh, Horizon Brave has a comment, is improv like a skill you have to practice? Yeah, you absolutely have to practice. There's some inherent skills to it. But, yeah, you can get rusty. Your mind can get a little dull. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. There's some uh, general rules that you want to be aware of and follow that are that are not rules divine, designed to contain you, but they're designed to uh, build everything up better. And it's been a while. So I could jump in probably. Um but yeah, my time at the Groundlings was uh, bittersweet for a long time, but now I look back 20 years on and, and I'm thankful for it. I was there for so many cool things and got to be around people. Um, I recall I've, I've, you know, I've talked about working with Mikey Day and Kristen Wiig and, and, and uh, Melinda Hill and Nicole Rancher Johnson and all, all those people from that era of the Groundlings. Um, the stories, I got to go up. You know, uh, and, and and the groundlings is is sketch and improv. Uh, I I always tended to, once I got to the higher levels of the program, I tended to go towards sketch more than improv. Um, but yeah, I got some clips. Maybe I could digitize them. I got there's some things on this channel that are little clips of my sketch days. If there's a there's an old. Um, it's not even a reel, but it's something I put out a long time ago. Like Ken's reminder of when he used to do things because, you know, ha, 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 I was depressed. But I have some sketch clips up. There's some. There's a sketch with me and Kristen and Mikey Day, sketch with Brian Keith, Keith Etheridge. He's a big showrunner, producer guy now. Uh, yeah, and I don't miss it. it I don't miss it. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a competitive world, too. It was very competitive, and it, it, it hit me hard because I wanted to get to Saturday Night Live and... Um, 
uh, you know, like a thousand other people every day in this town. And, and, and it didn't happen for a lot of reasons. But um, for years, I blamed myself and the system. But looking back, it was great. A lot of fun. Uh, it's fun. Uh, you know, is there, uh, uh, this story is always, um, this is uh, right now the final season of Kirby Enthusiasm's going right now. And uh, uh, even though she's, you know, married to Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And there's, I have some issues with RFK Jr. But uh, Cheryl Hines, uh, I was in the lobby the day she found out that she got um, uh, picked up for the series uh, for Kirby Enthusiasm because they, had, she had done the, um, she had already done the pilot hour-long kind of proto-pilot that was uh, made, which they didn't even think they were going to do a show at the time, but then they they took it to series. And I was signing up for my second... Um, I was signing up for my second class. I, I completed the first level of the groundies, groundlings, and I was downstairs in the in the lobby, in the, in the office, I should say, and I had my checkbook out, and I was writing a check so I could pay for the next set of classes, and Cheryl Hines came in and was like, oh my God, I, I, just, I guess just got a curb enthusiasm, and uh, and, uh, yeah, just, just, uh, amazing. And, and it's my favorite show. Jared, Jared says, I'm just not a Larry David fan. Never found him funny. J- Larry David's to me, literally the funniest person in the world. And that's how this works. <laughs> that's how this works. We all have to get along, Jared. Uh, show idea. Dylan's the show idea. Shark Tank, but it's comedians uh, pitching sketches. I think that's a great idea, and you should run with it, Dylan. I would want not want to touch it with a 10-foot pole because when you're in that sketch mind frame, like I said, that, that final level, the advanced level I was in, you do two shows, you're writing. I, like I, said, I averaged 10 to 13 sketches a week. You'd, you'd present them on Saturday. You'd have, like, a day off, and then you'd start. And I had a day. I was at the mall this time and all stuff. And then during the week, you're meeting with everyone. You know, it was crazy. Fun time. When it all ended and I got I got voted out of the groundling system, um, I could have easily gone on to other places. UCB had just arrived to town. Second City was finally setting up some stuff in L.A. There's other places to go. I was so tired of improv and sketch. You start seeing – you talk about comedians pitching sketches. You're pitching sketches to yourself and it gets annoying. You're like over there hanging out and you're like, hmm. Oh, I slurped that kind of loud. Oh my God, that's a sketch. Let's do the slurpy guy at a restaurant. And it just it just drives you batty. Batty. Uh, so there you go. Um, Jared says cheers. Yeah, that's the thing. Larry David's not for everybody. Larry David and Leon Black, uh, J.B. Smoove's character, are they're my favorite thing in comedy ever. Those two working together. Uh, Tully Quid says, do you know Ralph Garman? I do not. You two working together would be a kick. Yeah, um, an acquaintance I know, uh, Eddie Pence, great comic, great guy. He works with Ralph a lot. Um, I've never met Ralph, but we would, um, I'd love to work with Ralph. He's got radio in him. He's got radio in his blood. Vermont Mike says, uh, watch Larry David with Jimmy Click. Oh, yeah, I would love to see that. I, I like that Martin Short has gotten his due. During There was a period of time where I think Martin Short was... Uh, Overlooked by a lot of folks. There's a point where he was treated as a superstar, a movie star, and a, and a comic genius, and then then he kind of went out of fashion. And, and that Jiminy Glick thing was in a period of time where people were, th- thought it was funny, and I liked it, but people were also kind of like, "But Martin Short." And and I I love that Ole Murders in the building has 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 reestablished him as what he is, which is I think a comic genius as well. All right, I really got to go because I got to order Thai food. I got I to gotta get some pad thai, some orange chicken, and have uh, somewhat of a Valentine's Day. Uh, so when Grace comes home, 
we can sit and watch ghost shows and eat some Thai food and hang out with chihuahuas. All right. I really appreciate you all. Once again, I'll highlight stbaldricks.org slash participants slash Jeff Saunders. Go support them over there. Uh, let's not forget. Oh, it's on the other brand. Oh, God bless it. Uh, there, I'll just put this up. Don't forget the Moon Agers. Uh, that's the promo for Tell Me, Tell Me. But Moon Agers, we got some new stuff that is out there. Uh, we got uh, some... Um, we got some... Uh, um, we released a single for a special one. We've got the remix, the old handsaw mix of Good to Bleed. We got some instrumental stuff out there as well. Uh, MR4 says, uh, Jealous sounds like a perfect Valentine's Day. You know, it really is. That's all you need, kids. That's all you need. All right. On that note, you're the best. Thanks for listening. We'll see you all next week. Bye.